This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. If you did not already know, I am a co-host of another podcast. How many podcasts can this woman be a co-host of or a host of? Um, But it is called Relay and I'm having so much fun. And there's eight other co-hosts on the show and we do a variety of episodes, two episodes a week. One is a group chat where we talk about running related news, what's going on in running culture right now. And then we have an alternating second episode every week this week. So coming out today, after you listen to this, head on over to Relay uh, podcast feed because we have our series that goes out once a month called Chat with a Pro and Nikki Hiltz is the professional runner that is on that episode. And so myself, Kara Goucher, Laura Thweet, Marcus Brown, and Tommy runs all interview Nikki together. (laughs) We have a lot of fun doing these interviews together. Um, That's a series, though, that Laura Thweet and I are doing together. But uh, everybody loves Nikki so much. They all wanted to get in on it. So about half the team is in on that episode. Um, So again, that's Relay Podcast. Go check it out. We were formerly uh, only on Patreon, and we decided to go public with it. So if you are interested, go subscribe and let us know what you think. Leave us a rating and review if you enjoy it. All right, long intro already. But today on I'll Have Another, I'm so excited to finally have Maggie Montoya on the show. I have loved following Maggie's story and seeing her success in the marathon. She recently-ish signed with Solomon. Gosh, Has it been a while now? I guess it's been a year now. Wow. And she is a member of the Roots running team coached by Richie Hansen, a great group over there in Boulder. And since joining the Roots running project, she has set several personal records. Recently at the Grandma's Half Marathon, Maggie broke Kara Goucher's record on that course. She ran 69 minutes, 26 seconds there and won the race. Maggie also recently-ish in May competed in the Boulder Boulder 10K where she was on the Colorado team, Colorado Team USA, and they won the whole thing. Now a marathon runner, she has completed three marathons, Houston 2022, Chicago 2022, and Boston this past year. She's a PR of 228.07 from Chicago last fall where she placed eighth. She's already qualified for the Olympic trials and the marathon in February. And I'm so excited to see what she does this fall. Maggie brings up a tragedy that happened in her life in 2021 where she was a survivor of a shooting um, at the King Supers in Boulder, Colorado. We don't really talk about it in the episode because she requests not to and gosh, I wouldn't want to be talking about that every time I was interviewed either. She does bring it up, though, in the episode. So in case you aren't aware of her story, it's briefly touched on. And I just wanted to acknowledge that here in case you hear that and you're confused about the context of what we're talking about. All right, friends, this episode is supported by Koala Clip. Go grab a Koala Clip for yourself because that is the best way to carry your phone on the go, on your runs. It keeps your phone, your ID, your money, whatever it is, safe and dry in an easy to grab pocket. And they also have awesome sports bras and gear as well. So go check it out at koalaclip.com. Use the code another and that'll get you 10% off your order. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Maggie. All right. Well, today on All Have Another, we have Maggie Montoya on the show. Welcome to the show, Maggie. Hi. How are you doing today? Uh, Doing well. Kind of went a little bit late on my run, so it was quite warm out there, but uh, got back in time to make a smoothie before this call. Nice. Are you in Boulder? I am in Boulder. Uh, What what was in your smoothie? 
Um, I'd get like a fruit mixer. It's pineapple, mango, blueberries, strawberries, and grapes. And then I put oat milk, collagen, and um, some Garden of Life protein powder. Nice. That's a big like fruit mix. Like I don't normally see grapes in the mix. I know. There's like two different medleys at uh, the store and I kind of mix the two medleys. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, okay. Love your wallpaper. Tell me more. Or is that a curtain? It's a mural. It's my boyfriend's mural. Uh, he had it before I moved in, but um, I really Did like it. He has. That? Oh, no. It's just like a canvas. Oh, okay. Um, and then he has a pomegranate one on that side and this cool green one with little cute ghosts on it right in front of me. Oh, I love that. What's his story? How did you guys meet? Uh, he's a runner out here in Boulder. We've known each other for a couple of years. We have a mutual friend that kind of like set us up when we we're both single. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Um, okay, so Boulder. Let's start with Boulder. Boulder, Boulder. Tell us about your first experience at Boulder, Boulder. Yeah, so this year I was just planning on doing Boulder, Boulder. Regardless of if I was in the elite field or not, I just wanted to do it. I was going to have fun with it if I wasn't in the elite field. But then my agent, Josh, like a few weeks out was like, hey, Sarah isn't going to do it anymore. Would you like to take her spot? And so I took her spot. And we had two U.S. teams, like the U.S. team and then the Colorado U.S. team. And obviously I think the the U.S. team is usually like bid to like win the whole thing or like go to head to head with the Kenyan team pretty well. But so we were really happy that the Colorado U.S. team, we won. And so that was really exciting. That's it, so it was exciting. A, yeah, it was really close. Um, so we were just waiting for the results. And so that was that was a lot of fun to do that and do that in front of the home crowd. And coming into Folsom Stadium was, mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard it's insane. It was insane. <laughs> it was so cool. When you said Sarah, what, who, what Sarah are you oh, talking Sarah about? Oh, Sarah Hall. Believe, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how did that work out though? Because she wouldn't be on the Colorado team. I think they moved things around. Like I okay. think that she was on the US team, and I, um, I think Laura Thweet got moved uh-huh. up, and okay. I uh, moved into the Colorado team. Got it. Okay, so that's so cool. I saw on your Instagram that you were like the US Colorado team, but I didn't know that difference. Like that there was two teams there. That's that's like mm-hmm. really cool. It is kind of cool the way they kind of set it up. Because I think in years past, they've done it where it's just the first three U.S. people, the first three of any country Uh count as like the first team, regardless of who it is. But this time they set it up as like a team structure. There's two U.S. teams and no matter where you place, you are on that team. Okay, so fifth place for you. Yeah. (laughs) That Um, was such a hard race. (laughs) Was it? Tell us about like... You know, you've been marathoning recently. So tell us about going back down in distance to the 10K and also doing that 10K altitude. Yeah, I think it was mostly the altitude and the hills. I honestly felt like my marathon training helped me out a bit near the end because I felt my best, my very first mile, and then my last two miles. Like Mm. my like third and fourth mile felt absolutely horrible. And I was just like staring at the ground, running up the hill. I could hear my uh, old roommate, Alex. He was jumping and cheering with a sign. He always has the best signs out of the races. And I could hear him. I knew that was him, but I just couldn't get myself to look up and acknowledge anything. I was just trying to get myself out of the pain cave. And then like the last two miles, I felt a lot better. And coming into Folsom Stadium, I felt really good. So the 10K is hard. It was fast. I got out really hard and was still way behind everybody else um uh but I think that some of the strength came through at the end where I felt a little bit better so that was that marathon strength yeah (laughs) yeah uh what does his sign say do you know now like you didn't see it then but after the fact do you know what it (laughs) it says let's go cootie queen I don't know if you remember (laughs) remember that old gum commercial where it's like who you calling cootie queen you lint liquor I don't Um, remember oh it's this old like orbit gum commercial from like the early 2000s and that's been something he just calls me cootie queen sometimes because it's funny and then I call him the lint liquor oh my (laughs) gosh so you next race you have to have a sign that says that for him yeah, he was actually supposed to go to Golden Coast for the Golden Coast Marathon, oh. but his tickets got canceled. His flight got canceled when he was at the airport, and so he never got to go because the logistics of rescheduling would have had him there like two days before the race, and that's like flying to Australia. Like even yeah. Kira D'Amato had issues getting there. I saw that. Mm-hmm. So what's he going to do now? Uh, just training for fall. Gosh, that is yeah. so frustrating. You put so much into that. A marathon build is so much. (laughs) 
Okay, let's talk about that. So you've now done three marathons, Mm -hmm. Houston, Chicago, Boston. Let's start here of those three. If you had to pick one as your favorite experience, what would it be? Oh, that's hard. I mean, I guess I would say Chicago because I didn't feel so bad for so long. But the crowds at Boston were just insane. And I was also running like pretty near Des for the first 16 miles of Boston. And all of Boston loses it for Des. So that's fun. That was like the energy was just immaculate. And then, of course, like once we started getting to the hills after 16 miles, like she took off, you could see where she was just an expert on this course. But it was fun having that energy around me before that. But Chicago was Chicago also was like surrounded by a ton of people. I had a great pace group that I was in. I was, um, Ben Bruce was the one that was leading the pace and everything. And I had a bunch of guys around me and my sister Mm. flew out to surprise me. I had no idea that she was going to be there. I saw her around mile 17. It was like the perfect little pick me up. Um, so that, that was a lot of fun. Um, okay. Ben Bruce pacing. He's known for being just the best pacer in so many ways. (laughs) Yeah, tell me about that experience with him. So he had a set pace group. He uh, he was trying to, I think sub 227 was the goal there, uh, or at least sub 228 because that was the A standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he wasn't like set up as my pacer, but it was just like I was the only person that was in that group. Sarah Vaughn was in our group for a little bit, but she took off and I think she, she ran in like 226 that day. Um, yeah. But yeah, he ran start to finish all the way through the line. Um and he was, like, perfect at reminding me to, like, stay behind him because he's, he's really tall. So doing, mm-hmm. like, the slightly windy sections, he tried to make sure that I remembered to tuck in and wasn't just, like, running on the shoulder and a great pacer. Yeah. Oh, I've heard so many good things about him. Yeah, Sarah had a great day that day as well. Um, mm-hmm. What is that like for you as a newer marathoner to – I mean, Sarah's a pretty much a newer marathoner too, though, mm-hmm. but she's – more experienced than you. She's been around a little bit longer. What is that like for you to be in the field with these women like Sarah or I'm trying to think who else ran um, Chicago that day? Susanna Sullivan, but she's not been mm-hmm. marathoning that long either. You have a great mix of people. Yeah. And like Emily Sisson and Laura Three. There was a couple of debuts in there with uh, McKenna Morley. That's right. Um, yeah. I think that was a day where that was, I think they're the pace group that was ahead of me, which was like McKenna Morley and Carrie Burden. I think they were taken out a bit hotter than they were mm. anticipating to be taken out. And I know that in a marathon, that can be really detrimental. And so I feel like that was that was sad because, like, obviously, they're very strong runners. Um, but, yeah, if you get your legs burned a little bit too early, that's that's tough to come back from. Yeah. Laura Thweet. How did I forget? to mention yeah. Laura Thweet. I love Laura <laughs> Thweet. Uh, what is that like though when you're passing people or like, you know, someone who you think, you know, Laura, who's a more experienced marathoner, like you're like passing her and like what goes through your head or like when you mentioned in Boston when you were running next to Des Linden, like what is going through your mind in those moments? Um, it's kind of like trying to find, even like in the moments preceding the race on the start line, it's like trying to like balance that like being starstruck you're on the lines with these people that have made history are making history while also like not trying to count yourself out and like I have realistic expectations I'm not up there running with Emily Sisson but I (laughs) try to like um just run my own race and like yes it's nice to like finish and pass a bunch of people but it's like if I'm running my own race and I finish in a time that I'm happy with and I feel like I ran well I'm going to be pretty happy and I know that's different when you come to like the Olympic trials where it really does matter yeah um but to me, it's just like learning to try to run my own race. And I think that's been really helpful in the marathon versus like on the track. I still sometimes miss the track, but I think it's just you're so out there. You know exactly where you are. You know exactly who's lapping you. Um, cause I've been laughed many times in the 10K. Um, like I think just in the marathon, it's just easier to just kind of run your own race and like not get too stressed about it. Yeah. And it's so long that it is so anything- long. You don't want to stress too long. Yeah. Yeah, anything can happen to anybody's race. So you can't freak yourself out. Like, for instance, if if Emily Sisson would have had an off day or just something would have happened, like you can't freak yourself out that mm-hmm. you're passing her and you're having a great day. Um, yeah. And you do belong. Talk to us about choosing to go up in distance because I read somewhere that Richie, your coach, had said when you came to the team, you were like, I'm a 1500 meter runner. Yeah. Well, I was like scared to do the marathon. I think it was always going to be like, in my mind, I was going to run a marathon for fun one day. I wanted Uh to run a marathon, but 
But I was going to be the one that was like drinking beer as I was yeah. running by like all those stands and just having fun with it, listening to music. Um, but our team is largely made up of marathoners. Like I loved my time on the track, but I started realizing like I did sometimes struggle with aspects of running on the track. And I, my favorite run, and it's always been my favorite run since college is doing long runs. And I think mm. that's kind of been a good base for like moving up and being excited about doing that. Cause long runs are a big part of your training. Um, and I have just found that, um, like having a team that's like so invested in the marathon, so many people have done the marathon, just watching them have fun, go out and crush it. And like, I wanted to be a part of that. And so I was like, I'm ready to make the jump. But when I said I was ready to make the jump, Rich, he's like, not yet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dang it. Um, cause I kind of wanted to do the Olympic trials. Like I know I hadn't trained for a marathon. Mm. I qualified for the trials in 2020 with the, through the half marathon, mm. but we decided to hold off on it, not knowing that the pandemic was going to happen, not knowing that I was going to be injured the next year and couldn't run the Olympic trials on the track. Um, everything has a way of working out. I had a great time debuting at Houston. Um, and then each of the marathon since has been a fun journey. When did you first tell him? Like when he said, no, not yet. Um, I think it was mostly like kind of just, we were thinking about doing the, the trials and there was like that potential that I would just kind of, if I wasn't quite ready to race a whole marathon that it could be just something that I run with my teammates for as long as I can and just mm. see how far I can make it but I think we just ultimately decided it wasn't the right time um and we weren't going to do it anytime in 2020 that wasn't going to be possible um and then 2021 I don't know why we didn't do it then but I think it was just like just waiting for the right time uh, if you would have debuted in Atlanta, just talk about a brutal course to debut yeah. <laughs> on. Like maybe that would have tarnished your whole vision of the marathon. Yeah, it was kind of like that was the, how I felt about like the sentiment I had for both Olympic trials. It's like the marathon Olympic trials for 2020 is just it was so hilly. It was so windy. It was loops. I don't really like loops. It's fine. But um, and then the Olympic trials for the track, I got my first like stress reaction like two weeks before the trials. Um, but then again, I was going for the 10K there, and the 10K was like, even though they moved up to the morning, it was still like 90 degrees during the race. So mm-hmm. I was sitting there like, well, I'm kind of glad I'm not in that race right now. <laughs> Could have been two miserable experiences. Yeah. Um, also, right before COVID, you made the U.S. team for the half marathon championships. Yeah. <laughs> Good the US grief. Team. I know. And then I got the, what was so sad, because my teammate Willie Malam also made it. And so we were really excited because we were like two of the people on the team that like, I say I was quarter time All-American. I was an All-American on the DMR. He was not All-American at all. We were the few people that didn't have that in college. So that was something cool. We're like, we made this U.S. team like we didn't expect to. Um, We got the message that our U.S. gear was being sent to us. We were super excited. And then the pandemic happened. They called off Mm -hmm. the race and they pulled the U.S. gear from shipping. So we never even got the gear. Uh, Well, it's going to happen again for you. That's the hope. Yes, um, it will. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of sad. We were trying to figure out a way, like, if it's not going to be necessarily U.S. sanctioned sending out, like, is there a way that they would allow us if we sent ourselves, if we paid for everything and got ourselves there? Is that something that they would allow? And it was ultimately like, they just said no. Oh, man. That wasn't going to happen. Dang it. Because it was, yeah, it was tough because there was people in Boulder that went for other countries that got to still go. So it was, that was oh. tough. Yeah. yeah, that is a tough break, man. Um, what do you like better, the half or the full? The full. The half full. or the marathon? Yeah. <laughs> the full. I mean, I finally like feel like I got myself to kind of understand how to run a half. I had a ran a really good half in Houston in 2020, had a long string of like three years of bad halves. And uh-huh. then I feel like I'm getting back into the room for them of like understanding how to run the half again, feeling a little bit more confident. But it still just feels so fast. Like, I like the marathon. Yeah, just like fast the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. So challenging. But you won your first half. You won the Brooklyn half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did that feel? It was good. I think it was just it helped that I went in there with not too many expectations. It was a quick Uh turnaround from Boston and just trying to stick with some guys for as long as I could and just have fun with it. And I think that was a big help was just like learning to just have fun with it. All right, a quick break to tell you about AG1, a daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports the whole body, okay? I take AG1 every morning. Get up, 
mix it up with eight ounces of water, and that is how I start my day. Actually wake up wanting my AG1. It feels so nourishing. What I love about AG1 is it is a solution for the whole body support. It also saves time. It's just one scoop in the morning, you shake it up, and that's that. It's science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients. AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. AG1 helps you build your health foundations first. If you're looking for a simpler, effective investment for your health, try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Lindsay. That's drinkag1.com slash Lindsay. Check it out. And that is Lindsay with an E-Y. All right, friends, back to the show. Okay, so we talked Houston, Chicago, Boston. Let's talk about that debut marathon. Um, I know you were battling with Alice Wright for a a little bit there. (laughs) You had to be satisfied with that first marathon debut. Yeah, I was pretty happy with it. It was it was really funny because um, who was it? Uh, they had a their intern there, intern Ray, I think, is who. Um, what he was there pacing Alice okay. and uh, Ben Mazzari and my coach were talking about like how do we want to set up like this pacing? Like what's Maggie trying to run? And I was like, and they were just trying to like we were trying to do sub two thirty was the goal, and they agreed that was perfect. And so I was going to join their group. We had a good group of guys with us. Um, and uh, Alice's pacer was like getting some of the guys to also block the win for me on portions, even though they were there racing the marathon, they got them to um, <laughs> block some of it. So I was really appreciative for that. I knew that when we hit like 18 miles, that that was going to be a turning point and maybe easier. We were supposed to have like a tailwind for like the last eight miles. Um, so when we hit that and um, he dropped off, I just took off because we had passed one of the girls um who was in third I think we had passed her and so it's like I knew that Alice and I were racing for third place Mm. and so it would be cool to get top three um so I took off and at like mile 22 or 23 someone um said like oh up ahead like she just she just started walking and that was like the second place girl I was like holy cow like I'm gonna get second in this race I had no idea where Kira was but uh she was way out um ahead of me but um it was really exciting to like turn that corner and realize that I was moving into second place. And then the, like the last 2K was really tough, which isn't too bad for your first marathon is when like only the last 2K yeah. really hurts. So I was pretty yeah. happy with that, but it really hurt. Um, oh, and so because it was so loud, everybody was cheering. I had no idea that Alice was kind of behind me and like who knew like that I was going to be out kicked in a marathon at the very end of a race, but we finished second, third. It was really exciting. Big day for both of us. I wasn't yeah. really bummed about it. Like we ran almost the whole race together and then she, she did really well. She caught back up to me and passed me at the line. And that's kind of the fun thing about a marathon is like how much you can challenge yourself out there. Yeah. What, like, so when you did Houston, is, is there any big lesson that you learned from Houston that you took with you to Chicago? Cause then you went on and had a great Chicago. Um, I think just being patient. Mm. Um, I think that was a bit like, it feels really easy for a lot of the race and then it can get really hard. Um, and I think that like being patient, like it only hurt like the last bit of the marathon and, um, I was pretty happy with that because I've heard people say like if you can get through at least 20 miles before it starts hurting that's good I was like that's still a long time to run not feeling good so I was that was something I took to Houston and like was being patient because like um Chicago because Chicago felt pretty smooth like Ben did a great job pacing and so everything was just like perfect splits and um so I was like trying not to get too excited and taking that with me and then the last couple miles of Chicago were a bit tough but um I think just learning like the patience about it because it's a it is totally different than any other race. You're not gunning it from the start usually, and so um, I think that's what I took from Houston. It's just so weird to hear you say like it doesn't hurt till the end, which we all should feel that way when we're running marathons, no matter how fast we're running. But since you're running so fast and your level of intensity is so much higher than 
what the average per marathoner's level of, of intensity is because you're trained for that. Mm -hmm. Um, it's crazy to hear you say like, it doesn't hurt until the end, but obviously if it hurt sooner, you couldn't sustain that. Yeah. And so it's like running, like training for a pace that you think you're capable of. So that you, then you learn like when you get to the line that day, that if everything's fallen into place, then this pace that you've been training for should feel very comfortable. Um, and then trying to ho hopefully maintain that for as long as possible. And I mean, ideally you run fast and none of it really hurts. You're just in really good shape. <laughs> but, um, but I think like all racing is going to hurt a little bit if you're wanting to challenge yourself. And, um, but the marathon's so long. It's not one of those things where like the half, like when I ran the grandma's half, like uh -huh. we, our first mile was really too fast. And like the rest of the run, I could feel like my legs were a little bit heavy. I could feel like they're a little bit different feeling that for 13 miles. I was glad I managed it, but I could not imagine doing that for 26 miles. Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> um, talk to us a little bit more about your experience at grandma's. Oh, it was a blast. Like I'd had a ton of friends that have done it and teammates that have done it in the past. Um, and so I was grateful that I finally got the opportunity to go there. And uh, my coach's plan was just, I want you to get off the line hard, run hard. If you blow up, you blow up. But I want you to like give yourself as much of a chance, like run as hard as you can for as long as you can. And so that was the plan. And I stuck with my teammate Carlos for as long as I could. Um, and our first mile was uh, like 508. And so that stung mm -hmm. me for quite a bit. It stung me quite a bit. But then we reined it back. And um, like, I think that was something where I learned like that new level of racing the half that I'd struggled with before was it is fast. It does kind of feel uncomfortable for longer because you are running almost close to, I was running almost close to my 10K pace. Yeah. Um, and so I, and I think Courtney DeWalter, who just won Western States, did a really good job describing this, but it's just like taking it mile by mile, just like uh -huh. you might be feeling uncomfortable, but just taking it mile by mile. And that's what I told myself is like, through that race, it's like, okay, I got another mile at like a pace that I'm pretty happy with. And I think is going to end up fast. If I can do another mile at that, that'd be good. And just kind of, kind of like banking time. Um, but then I made it through the whole half with the times being okay. <laughs> and so I was really excited when I finished and found out I got uh Kara's record. Like that was, that was incredible. I had no idea what it was. I didn't know what I was going for. I was just trying to, <laughs> I was just trying to run as fast as I could for as long as I could out there. You know, it's kind of cool because you have to be strategic in a lot of races, um, especially when we're talking about the marathon, when you have to like be patient, like you talked about, but to give yourself opportunities like this, where it's like, okay, it's soon off Boston. Let's take a chance on this one. And just like, if I blow up, I blow up and like, it's mm -hmm. not the end of the world. But how do you decide which races to do that in? Um, I think this one was like, it wasn't a terribly high stakes race. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, I wanted to race well. It was a race I'd been excited to do for a while. But I think that, like, training had been going – the couple weeks of training leading into it had been going well. And so I think – and we were going to do a little break afterwards. It's like, why not just go for it? Like, I don't have a big race coming up quite yet. So if I overextend myself a little bit, I have some time to recover. And, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to pick up, but it kind of felt like a time trial, like where a time trial is uh -huh. like not as much stress, not as many high stakes, but you just kind of, you just go from it, go for it, see what you can do. And I think that's kind of how I treated it. So I wasn't too nervous, but I was excited about it. And it, it resulted in like running faster than I had in several years. <laughs> so I was pretty happy. Yeah. I think that's when barriers get broken. I think, I feel like Sarah Hall is someone who races like that a lot, just like, you know where your fitness level is, but if you go too hard, you might crash and burn. But like, I'm just going to go for it because I she know does. I'm capable, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And she um, runs an honest race, like from the start. Like she doesn't yes. just like try to hold back and like kick. She just goes, she's an honest racer. That's it. That's the best way to describe it. I love that you described it that way. Um, so you and I got to meet, do you remember meeting in Chicago? We met like in media. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were there with Josh Cox, your agent, and I would love to hear about working with Josh. He is one of my favorite people to work with when I book guests on the show and do events and whatnot. And 
I just feel like athletes that have the opportunity to work with Josh are so fortunate. Yeah, you feel really cared for. Like when I had my run in Houston in 2020, um, that's when my coach kind of pushed me. He's like, I think you need to find an agent. Like you're moving up to that next level. I think you would be a great fit with Josh because his wife is with Josh. Noah's with Josh. Um, and my teammate now, Luke, is also with Josh. And we've all had great experiences. He's just, he cares so much for his athletes. He travels so much. I don't know how it's he crazy. manages it, uh, but he travels so much. He's He tries to make it to everybody's race. He's the one there at the start. He's the one like carrying bags for you. Um, and he's just, he's an incredible agent. He just does, he doesn't treat you as if you're just like someone there to put out markings to make him look good. He's mm-hmm. there through the good and the bad. And that's been really wonderful to have as an agent and like someone that you can count on. And he's been a big advocate for me when he was navigating like sponsorship stuff, like, Hey, like this person isn't giving you like the respect that I think you deserve. So let's turn them down. Mm-hmm. We'll figure things out. And I think that that speaks a lot. And then of course, and I know I said I wasn't going to really discuss it and I won't go into it, but after the shooting, he went above and beyond to like mm-hmm. set up a GoFundMe to help support me and my co-workers and then just navigating all the media stuff like making sure it wasn't going to be too much on my plate and it was a huge help that's like that's going above and beyond for someone and I really appreciated all that yeah having someone to filter all those requests and all the things that come with big incidences Mm -hmm. um you also mentioned his wife in one of your posts when you were like thanking all these people and you know I see pictures of Carrie here and there and I'm curious, like, what is her involvement in that relationship? Carrie's delightful. I interact with her as probably about as much as I do with Josh. I do a lot oh, of email it. interactions with her. She's she helps navigate, like, help me with, like figuring out travel and like um, gets me my documents that I need to like sign before races. And then she's she was at Boston, like shepherding me around, like helping me because Josh had some other responsibilities, but she helped me like move around with like helping out with take the bridge and making sure that I'm not standing around too much and I'm sitting down and she's wonderful. Um, and yeah, she's a joy. And I see, I mean, I've met a couple of the kids as they come out as well. Just like a great. Oh, they're kids. A great family. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're wonderful to work with. Great energy. And like they just, they're someone that you can count on and you look forward to seeing that raises. See, I didn't. I don't think I realized how involved she was in the business. Very side of involved. Things, <laughs> yeah, I, and, I don't think uh, I knew that. Yeah, she's got her got a master's, and she's like an app, like really good at astrophysics. Like that's where her she got a like degree. Oh like, she's wow! Insanely astrophysics. Smart. Like I think Josh was explaining to me that she used to do like editing for like textbooks, like math textbooks. Like she's just like she does so much to help him out, and she. She's he's like, yeah, she's definitely overqualified. <laughs> she's so smart. <laughs> I thought that oh was so cool, goodness. though. I just recently learned that. I was like, wow, she's even yeah. cooler now. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to work together because when you travel, I mean, that traveling so much is so challenging when you have mm-hmm. all those kids, too. Like, it's so cool that they get to do this together. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. So I want to talk about Roots and mm-hmm. Richie and your team and – what that dynamic is like, but let's start with why you chose Roots. I love the story. It starts okay, off good. with my old hedgehog named Mokiki. Okay. Um. So back in like 2017, I think like I noticed that Roots had followed me on Instagram, and um, and it was like I think it was sometime in like the fall of 2017. Um, Roots reached out, and like turns out that was Richie, just like reached out commenting on a video I had taken of my hedgehog that I used to have and saying like, oh, Aaliyah watched a ton of hedgehog videos the night that she went and ran 31.59 in the 10K. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. That's like, but that's kind of like what set the stone for, uh, set it in motion, like the opening of that dialogue with them because uh, my family and I took a family vacation out here to Boulder in 2017 as well. And we were trying to we were debating on where to go for a coffee shop. And I was like, I know one person out here and it's the team. I'm going to ask them what their recommendation is for coffee. And they recommended boxcar coffee, which I think a lot of bolder people out here have heard of. Um, and so we went to boxcar and then he reached out again and said, hey, Leah's going out for this run if you'd like to join her. And so I joined uh, Leah for the run. It was like a snow, very snowy day. And then we went to boxcar after that as well. Talked for several hours it kind of felt like maybe she was recruiting me a little bit, but it definitely like planted the seed for um, 
when I was looking for like a post-collegiate um, team because uh, the University of Arkansas coach, he coached me kind of like pro bono, just like helped me out after college. Um, but I knew that he obviously his focus is his team, his college team. And I was looking for something that was more like post-collegiate focus. And so that's when I started reaching out to a couple of teams and Roots was the first one on my radar just because I'd had that dialogue kind of already open. So I came out, visited, loved it, did a long run. We went to a brewery, just everybody on the team was delightful and um, moved out here June of 2018. Vigi started coaching me in 2018, uh, March of 2018. Um, so I've been with them for over five years and lived out here for a little over five years. Um, and then actually my sister moved out here at the end of 2021 and her first job out here was at Boxcar. Oh, nice. So it was kind of like a full circle little thing. And I, I love that. Do you still go there? Uh, some. When she was working there, I went there a bit more often. But yeah. I usually just drink my um, coffee maker coffee out here. Just I don't do any of the fancy coffee. coffee, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. That day that I met you in media, I also got... T- so I'd had Richie on my podcast, but then he was in the media room as well. So I got to mm-hmm. meet him as well. And um, But I remember right when, when uh, I met you guys in person... Aaliyah was still super pregnant. Like she was just mm-hmm. about to have her baby. And so the baby has to be what? Like six months now or? Seven. Seven okay. months. I think she was born end of November. Okay. Like that. Oh, so, yeah. so you guys yeah. have a, a team baby now. We have a team baby and it's the prettiest baby I've ever seen. Oh, I she's bet. So cute. Oh, And she's so I talkative. Can't. She can't like actually say words yet, but she's constantly making noises. Just and babbling. To her. Yeah, she's babbling. Okay, what's that like? Because, you know, I, th- I feel like when you think about NAZ Elite, you th- it's like you think of this like family culture because a lot mm-hmm. of people on the team have families and blah, blah, blah. And I don't see that with a lot of other groups. So now you kind of have that dynamic a little bit with Roots. Yeah, I, I know that it's definitely been like we haven't been able to see Aaliyah a lot more at pra- uh, practice as much. I know that that's very hard to balance, like having a yeah. kid, but she's also got like a a pretty good career too that she's working on, but we see her on the weekends a lot more now. And so baby Gianna comes out and like rides in the car during like the long runs. And so it's been nice, like gradually like having Aaliyah come back to practice and having that and then being able to see their baby and all the pictures. Um, but yeah, we were definitely like, we have a couple people on our team now that are in their thirties. We still have a lot of new people on the team, like just out of college, but we have a couple people in their thirties that I think are, moving into that time of their life but I love it when you can move into that part of your life and still chase your dreams running and so I'm really glad to have Aaliyah out there like starting she's a new mom and Richie's a new dad they're navigating that but also still like putting time into the team and being there I always just like to think about like the kid growing up and like just being a part of a team culture like that and that unique experience that you're not going to get anywhere else unless you're one of your parents is the coach of this like tight knit team. Mm-hmm. She's going to have a lot of like um, aunts and uncles on the team for sure. Yeah. And she's old enough to like understand that and remember us. Like I think that she's going to really enjoy like everybody's around her when she gets to come out to practice and stuff. Oh, I love it. Okay. So you said Josh had said, you know, when he was navigating sponsorships with you, it was like, uh, they're not like respecting you enough or whatever it is. How yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess maybe respect isn't enough, but he's like, you're worth more than what they're worth offering. more. Okay. Yeah. However he said it. Um, and you landed with Solomon. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love the whole story because I love that Josh saw your worth and he knows what he's doing and he's the best in the business. He has got relationships with all these brands. Uh, and I would love to know how you landed on Solomon and what it's been like running with them. It's been delightful. It's kind of been like, everything kind of fell into place with like Josh worked with Noah and Noah used to be with Saucony and mm-hmm. uh, Noah knew Aaron Cooper from mm-hmm. Saucony and mm-hmm. then Aaron Cooper moved to Solomon. And so it kind of like Noah already knew Aaron. And I think that helped build that um, relationship. So when they were looking to build a, a road running um, team, like Noah was brought on as the first U S guy over here. Um, and then just me being with, teammates with Noah and then also knowing Josh and I met Aaron a few times before um, that kind of opened the doors for um, bringing me on. And so it's been lovely. Like, I don't know if I would have had that same opportunity if I wasn't teammates with Noah or didn't Mm. have Josh as an agent. Like it's probably something I never would have understood because like 
Solomon has largely been on the trails and skiing, and that's not something that I had experienced much like growing up. And I knew who Solomon was, but they were an outdoor apparel, like adventure brand. And that's because they just now started um, being on the roads. But it's it's been wonderful being like one of their first athletes or their first female athlete in the U.S. and like one of just a few across the world and being a part of this whole new thing that they're building. And it's been wonderful. I have loved everything that they have put forth to us and how much they listen to our feedback because it is like a small, like a small team. And like, it mm-hmm. feels like, like we're heard and what we're saying. And like, Noah and I were just in France a few weeks ago at the headquarters. And like, nice. we met so many people and it's like, I love that opportunity. It loves like, I love being in contact with people. And like, when they send like me a new pair of shoes, like writing a little note on there and it's just, it's so personal and it's, it's a lovely, it's a lovely thing to be a part of. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. Tell us about the, like, what's their super shoe situation? Um, so the previous ones like that I raced Chicago on with a Phantasm S-Lab. Okay. Um, and they're working on the prototype. I raced in the prototype for a few of the halves in Boston because that those are coming out in September of this year. Um, I love them. Like, I feel like. Awesome. Yeah. They're, co- they're, they're going to change, I think, the colors a little bit, but it's. They the ones that they sent beforehand were just all white. They had me raising white socks because it's just like a nice dark clean look, and that's yes. kind of fun. Um, but it's been lovely. Like I I love the shoes. I feel good in them. Um, and I've I've told all of them like my mom has gotten a couple foot surgeries. Like she's had bunions and hammer toes, and she would still she eventually got back into running um, after taking some time off after the surgeries. But she would still have like consistent foot foot pain after each of her runs. Um, and then I sent her a pair of Solomons that were sent to me that were just a little bit too small. So I sent them to her and she ran in them. And the first time she ran in them, she didn't have any foot pain following oh my the run. Gosh. And her doctors had said like, hey, I don't think you'll probably ever be able to run more than a few miles, let alone a half and definitely not a marathon. And she's she's far exceeded their expectations because she's not running with any pain now. Like she ran, um, she's ran t- 10 plus miles several times. She just did a 15 and a half mile run this wow. past weekend. I know. I'm so proud of her. Um, and she's oh. training for a marathon in November. She's doing a marathon in uh, Pennsylvania. And so I it's so it's that. so fun that she's like, that I get to like contribute part to that, just like with the shoes that I'm running in and like she's running pain-free and doing this thing that she's had as a big goal, but was afraid that she'd never be able to do. And so that's that's been a joy. And I've told a bunch of the Solomon people that and they love it. Hey friends. All right. We've got a new sponsor today that I am pumped to tell you about. It is two before two before is a natural sports performance superfood made from New Zealand blackcurrant berries. What do blackcurrant berries do? Well, they contain unique levels of antioxidants called anthocyanins, which have been proven to boost athletic performance by increasing blood flow, making it more efficient for the body to pump oxygenated, nutrient-rich blood to the muscles. It also kickstarts your recovery, helps with muscle soreness and manages inflammation, and it strengthens your immunity. Immune-boosting antioxidants and natural-occurring vitamin C are in these black currant berries. I gotta tell you, it also tastes refreshing and delicious. So you can drink it daily, 30 to 45 minutes before you work out, You'll feel that effect of it around 60 minutes from taking it. You just mix it up with around four to eight ounces of water or electrolyte drink, whatever you're drinking. I just mix mine with water and there you have it. All right, so I am really excited for you to check it out and excited to hear how it works for you. You can save 30% off 20 packs plus free shipping when you use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y at checkout. Just go to two, the number two, before.com and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, and that'll get you 30% off 20 packs plus free shipping. All right, friends, back to the show. When you said, I'm so proud of my mom, it's like, when does this flip switch in us that we (laughs) like realize our parents are just humans, just like us, and we can be proud of them too. I'm trying to even think back to my own life with my parents like when did I start first think of it that way and I I think I overthink this because having my own kids and you know to them I'm I'm just mom and like when (laughs) do you start viewing your mom as like 
this human outside of being your mother. Yeah, I think my mom and I definitely built like our being more friends instead of like kind of moving past the role of just mom and daughter. She's definitely my mom. I love her. And but she's become more of also like a friend and a confidant and someone I can like talk to. And that kind of like started through high school, but it has definitely developed after um, like college and everything, like especially as I've become more dependent, like um, I think that kind of flips the switch a little bit as well. And it's like, but I just love like she's she's in her 50s and she's still looking for ways to challenge herself and have new experiences. And like she got into biking for a while when she couldn't run and she would bike her age on her birthday and that was always really far and she went and did like a huge bicycle race or like a fun bicycle race in New York City with some friends a couple months ago oh, or last fun. year um yeah so she's still out there having adventures and challenging herself and that's just fun to see what do you think she did to create this like for you guys to have such a healthy relationship because ultimately that's what we want we want when our our kids to grow up we want to be and good, healthy relationships with them? Um, I think that she was just, she was always pretty easygoing when I was growing up. And I think that helped. Like, I love my dad, but for a lot of times he was like that over-competitive dad and that kind of, ah. for a little bit, put a little bit of a spur in our relationship. Um, and we've come back from that. And now it's like, no matter how well I run, he's happy and he's proud. Uh, but with my mom, she was always the person that I could go to when I had a bad day or had a bad competition or something like um she was always there always supportive it was more um apparent like the support and like the consistent like oh I don't care how you did like it's fine mm-hmm. and so I think that kind of set the ball rolling because that wasn't like something I really had to work through when I was like an as an adult versus like I did have to like work with that with my dad a little bit like mm-hmm. okay you can't you're not my coach <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that was like there wasn't that that barrier there um and so I don't know she's just just been a constant like sport and we just always talk on the phone so much um like it's always like oh I gotta go and then go off into another story but we're both like that we just both love talking and I talk to her probably almost every day and I think it's just Aww. like keeping up that um that relationship and putting that work in and I call both my parents pretty much every day I I just am so fascinated by super high achievers and people that are accomplishing really big feats in athletics and how the parenting affected those goals and dreams. And so it's interesting to hear that you had parents on both ends of the spectrum and it ended up all being okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a coach in high school. It wasn't like I worked with my high school coaches and then I kind of had a separate coach who was, if anything, she was just more of a mentor. Like she did Mm. do some like extra practices with me, but not really. It was more, more so it's like she helped me with my mental side of things but um, my dad brought her on to coach me. And so when he would be tough on me on races, she would go off on him and kind of put him uh. in his place. And so I really attribute a lot of like having, um, feeling a lot better in a lot of those areas with like um, having her around. And she's still uh-huh. like someone who's very prevalent in my life. And um, I, love I think that. that was a big help. Like she's, she was very fiery and made sure that um, I was like being stood up for Oh, I love that. You know, that's something that Des wrote about in her book with her dad as well. And I always wonder, like, as I'm making choices as a parent in my own life now, I'm like, what are my kids going to say in 20 yeah. years? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Definitely. I mean, I think that's the scary thing about being parents is that yeah. you never know what's going to carry on for decades in the future. What are we going to therapy about in 20 years? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So you talked about Boston and the experience with, you know, getting to run with Des and whatnot. So that was the last marathon you ran this past Mm -hmm. spring. Uh, we know the trials are going to be in February. So what do you have your sights set on for the fall? Um, so I've been looking at Berlin, Chicago. I think things are being finalized right now. I don't know how much like races like announcing things before, People yeah. announcing things before they announce it, it seems like. So, yeah. Um, but I'm racing sometime around that time period. You are going to do a fall marathon. Yeah. Sounds like you're looking at a faster course. Is that because you want to grab that A standard? Um, I would love to grab the A standard. I know that um, the trials for the women are now gold label where you don't have to run the A standard as long as you get right. top three, you qualify, which is a crazy concept to me, but it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I would love to just go for a fast time. I think it's like, for me, it would be going for that fast time 
would give me that little bit more confidence to be up where the people are that are still like 10 minutes in front of me like if I can run a little bit faster and feel Uh a little bit more confident in that then that helps me feel better on the line in Orlando yeah and Orlando is probably going to be hot probably what are you going to do probably I mean I don't know what February is going to be like but I'm sure it's going to be pretty Hmm. warm still do you guys have thoughts on where you're going to do a bulk of your training um I think there's talks that we'll probably head somewhere south for like a couple weeks before the trials just to kind of get acclimated to the humidity now who else on the roots team will be racing the trials uh we have quite a few people um so we have me and my teammate jen are qualified um a couple of the girls on the team still need to get their qualifier um like Aaliyah and lexi um and then we have a couple debut people that are going to be trying to go for their qualifier as well this fall Cool. Um, and then for the men's side, we have Parker, Sid, Ryan, Will. I'm probably forgetting, forgetting people that I'm going to feel really bad about. But we have a lot of people with the qualifier already. I know. After I side. said that, I was like, oh, no, now I'm putting her on the spot. And I recently did yeah. that with someone else. And then we got back <laughs> on and re-recorded names because we didn't want to hurt feelings. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we, we might have more like the most qualifiers of any team, it feels like. Really? I mean, Brooks, Brooks running probably has a lot of um, uh-huh. um, people on going to the trials as well. But I think like once we have a couple girls do their debuts, we might have some of the most most of the people like the team with the most people at the trials. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, how does it feel going from working so much to getting the Solomon sponsorship? But now you're in school. So is that just replacing the hours you were working? <laughs> Uh, kind of. My first semester, so pretty much my whole build up for Chicago, I was in school and working 24 plus hours a week as well. So I was working three or four days a week. Um, and then I'd spend like two days a week um, at a coffee shop for like eight hours doing Extending. all my schoolwork, trying to get it done in time. Um, but the cool thing about like my program is online through the Keck School of Medicine at Southern California. But there are weeks are structured Wednesday to Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So it kind of helps. It's built for people that also work so that you can, the due dates aren't over the weekend or like right before the weekend. You have time over the weekend that falls on the middle of the week where you can mm-hmm. still get stuff done, which has been, which was really helpful. But signing with Solomon, I was kind of able to take a step back at the start of the year. I still am technically employed at work and I just work a few times a month, a few times like once a month, really. <laughs> um, just to keep but, on the keep on the keep, schedule and like yeah, keep fresh. on my schedule, keep my employment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's been a huge help with like balancing and everything, like not stressing so much, and I can spread out my schoolwork throughout the week instead of like cramming everything into like two days. And so the work is still pharmacy work. Yeah, I was still. I'm still at the pharmacy. Okay, a different pharmacy, but still the pharmacy. And then the school is public masters in public health. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. What do you want to do with that? Um, so I'm getting my concentration in epidemiology and biostats. I don't necessarily know where that will unfold. I love um, the idea of like working with diseases or research for like people. Like I'm really passionate. Like, and I think this is what I was really passionate about when I was in the pharmacy too. Was like how important preventative medicine is just for everything, but also like um, health equity versus like health equality. Like some people need a little bit more resources and you need to have like good health as just the basis, just to be able to do everything else in your life. And if you don't have that, it's hard to kind of move up in life without those basic, those basic needs being met. And that's something I've always been passionate about. And I'm, am kind of going towards the more of the math side of Mm. my concentration with the biostats. Um, but what I picked this program was for, like they had this concentration, but they also had like global health, community health, and like so many different avenues that you could learn um, and be like a good, like public health person in society. And so like in all, a lot of our core classes, like help us with that. And we do a lot of discussions around like health disparities. And that's something like I've found really interesting and been um, really interested learning about. I don't even know if you could answer this, but I'm just like, what's the first step? Like, what's the first step in making change in this department? That's the scary thing, and that's the thing that's, like, hard to not, like, get down about is, like, there's so many, like, changes that have to happen at much higher levels. Um, it's overwhelming. But I think, like, like, in Colorado, I feel like we have a pretty good 
uh, set up with having clinics that are made for people mm-hmm. that are underinsured or not insured. And I think that's a big part, like the, the amount of people and people complain about how busy those places are, but they're doing a lot of work and they're helping as much as they can. I think that's a big part, just like having um, an insurance is a big part of it. Like being un- underinsured can just like one of my teachers who's from India was talking to one of his friends who was from India and they were talking about the cost of like the amount of taxes that are taken out for the healthcare in other countries. And he's like, well, have you ever heard of medical bankruptcy? Cause that's something that we have to deal with in the U S yes. and that's, that's crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, but there's, it feels hopeless a lot of the times and like the disparities are so like difficult. I don't even know like where to start for a lot of them. And like, we discussed it actually in my class last night about like the death of Tori Bowie and how, she was one of three people on a relay team that had struggles with um, with their birth and like the, with their pregnancies. And like these are people that are like some of the fittest people in the nation, some of the people that might have more resources than other people do. And yet they're still facing these difficulties. It's like, where do you even start? And that's something that we talked about last night because like we talked about the disparities and like um, birth, delivery and like postpartum for different races and ethnicities and socioeconomic statuses and like where to even start. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think with the most overwhelming things that we face, it's like we freeze and we don't do anything, but like you're doing something. You're going to do something with it. I'm trying. At least like trying to have these discussions where if it's like having these discussions with people that can make those changes, like. Yeah. That, and I think just keeping people talking about it. And I think that's the important part in like all areas of like people that are like the LGBTQ plus community like just everybody is still talking about it and still making it like making their voices be heard so like hopefully one day those big changes do happen and like everybody's not being pushed on the back burner like we're facing like right now um one of the organizations i work with is every mother counts and when you were talking about Mm -hmm. disparities in in um predominantly the african-american population like the disparities with Uh, maternal mortality are super high. And I know we're talking about that more. You're hearing people talking about that more. Um, But if anybody's looking to get involved in an organization, Every Mother Counts is a really great one that's trying really hard to address those disparities. That's really good. That's a good plug. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So you're also interested in podcasts, your dog and team culture. First podcasts. Tell me, tell me about your interest in that podcast i i started listening to podcasts in like probably 2017 i started with like a like a true kind podcast which is i think every a lot of people's ends are oh, true yeah. kind podcast um and it's called and that's why we drink it's like true kind slash kind of like paranormal and like folklore stuff it's just fun to listen to and so i've caught up on that i've caught up on a couple of my podcasts that i really like and so i just listen to those ones coming out but right now for the last year i've been um binging the podcast stuff you should know they've been putting oh, out like that's so good two plus podcasts a week since 2008 they have so many podcasts i am just now in 2016 and i started 2008 like summertime wow. last year as well i am there's so many um but i love that i'm probably listening to them too fast and um binging them to so much that everything. maybe i'm not retaining as much as i would like i'd love to one day go back and re-listen to them all but i love I love a random fact. I love being like, oh, like I learned this here and how that applies to this situation. And um, it's just fun. And I listen to all my podcasts at one and a half speed. So no one Uh really likes listening to them with me. But (laughs) uh, I love I love my podcasts. I do that when I prep for interviews. If I listen to people on other shows, I listen to it on one and a half speed to like power through because I want to get as much in as I can. But it's not like <laughs> super enjoyable to listen to that way. It's like well, now so listening fast. to it slow, I can't listen to it. <laughs> I, can't. I prefer the one point two five speed. That is a good speed. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, one. but if I need to power listen and like knock some stuff out, I I crank it up to. Mm-hmm. I can't go much over one point five. <laughs> no, I listen to like my YouTube lectures. Uh, not YouTube, the video lectures that we have for class. I listen to oh. those at like two point speed. Um, do you absorb it yeah I absorb it and I, I mean I, I pause it to take down notes and everything uh-huh. but 
But like, because it's a lot of it's like PowerPoint and discussing, discussing through that. So I'm listening to the discussion. I'm writing down what's on the slide and then listening to the discussion. And when it goes to the next slide, pause it, write down what's on the slide and then notate like what they're discussing. Mm. Um, it's working so far. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what about your dog? What's your dog's name? Harper. She's about to turn six uh, this September. Um, I love her. She probably makes up most of my, I mean, a lot of my social is Mm -hmm. running and then a lot of my stories are my dog. Mm. Um, But she's delightful. I really like her. (laughs) And now I live like really close to a dog park where it's like an off-leash dog park that you can walk to where she can run around and like jump in the water and then come back out. And she's been loving that. Oh, it's so good. We Before we had kids, we used to take our dog to the dog park all the time. It was like our big outing and we loved mm-hmm. it. It's delightful. And I thought that she was going to be a bit more of a runner, but she really does not like <laughs> running. <laughs> Dang it. You were looking for a partner. She overheats. She overheats so much. Uh-huh. Um, okay. And then lastly, your team culture. Let's hear about that a little bit. We kind of talked about it a little bit though. Yeah. I mean, when I first joined the team, it was like fairly small. We had a lot of people coming onto the team and also leaving the team. Um I think everybody trying to figure out like how they fit in, like what team worked best for them. But um, for a long time, we didn't have that big of a girls team and we kept adding more and more guys, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of fun, but we wanted some more girls on the team as well. And now we've been building that up. We've added a lot of girls to our team and it's been a blast. We have a really good balance, Um, but also still like pretty close with the guys. We do a decent amount of team events. Um, It's hard to organize that with like, probably close to 30 people Mm -hmm. now that's awesome when you count um our team versus um along with um our uh development team as well because we have several people on that team as well um but it's been a blast everybody gets along everybody talks to each other like we a lot of people like wait to do cool like cool down along the inside of the field to cheer people on finishing their track workouts and um and from people that have come and visit our team, people that have joined our team from other teams, like they just can't believe like how great it is and like how like welcome and how like we don't take ourselves too seriously. Like obviously we're still pursuing this. And I think a big part that I love about our team is that we're running is a pretty blue collar sport. Like it's hard to make it by yourself. Like usually you have to also work. And the major- there's five people on the team that are sponsored. Mm. There's well over 20 people on the team that aren't sponsored. Yet these people show up every single day to practice because they want to they want to get better they want to challenge themselves while they're also doing holding full-time positions and jobs and like continuing their careers and I think that speaks a lot to the team and like everybody's there to have fun and to just enjoy it because like it's a challenge to themselves but they're also like have other thing parts in their lives that also big focuses and I think that contributes a lot to like not taking ourselves too seriously and having a lot of fun with it I love that blue collar sport uh, what's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? I would love to do the Longs Peak 14er. I've done a few 14ers out here. I attempted to do Longs Peak last year. I think like physically I could handle it. The issue was I went to a concert the night before with my teammate Lexi, <laughs> um, had maybe one too many seltzers <laughs> and then got about an hour of sleep. And then my sister and I drove to the trailhead cause we started the hike at like 4am so I was still drunk, and then I was hungover, and then we were hiking in the dark, and we made it up to, like, it's called the Keyhole, and so it's six miles to the Keyhole, and it's a beautiful hike. We saw the sunrise. It was lovely. I ran into an old college oh, teammate very randomly in the dark on wow. a Tuesday. Um, but I got to the Keyhole, and my I was still just feeling, like, a little bit nauseous <laughs> and stuff and a little bit dizzy from being hungover <laughs> during this hike. And so my sister, who didn't think she was going to be able to do the hike, she continued on and did – it's only, like, a mile and a half left to the top of the peak, but it takes almost as much time to do that last mile and a half as it did take the first – to do the first six uh-huh. hours. And so I hiked back, um, and she completed it. I was very proud of her, but I would love to do it and maybe not do it <laughs> next time. <laughs> I can't believe you still got up and went. Yeah, at that point, it was like I was still practically awake. I just napped a little this bit. Girl, uh, <laughs> this girl commits. She commits. I know. Yeah, and I did a 14er because I was in my a little bit of a break last year. I did a 14er two days before that. Um, and then I got COVID like a couple days after the concert. And so um, then I was kind of forced no to. No more 14ers for a bit. bit <laughs> yeah. I love that. Okay, do you have a book you recommend? The best, most recent book you've read? Oh, gosh. 
I've been just reading so much stuff with school that I have not. um, It's a book that I haven't finished yet, but it was a book that was, I started a while back and then my school sent it to me when I started it. It's called Mountains Beyond Mountains. um, And it's about this one doctor that works in Haiti, um, but just pretty much like spends a part of his life in the U.S. um, as a professor and as a doctor um basically making raising money to be able to take it back to Haiti and like work in his practice and just like one of the stories in there is he hikes to um hikes to one of his patients houses in a village like that's a several hour hike away because he didn't show up for an appointment and he wanted to make sure he was continuing his like what he needed to be doing for to get better um so I really like that that was good um that sounds amazing what an amazing human. Goodness, yeah, it was really, I need wow. to finish it. <laughs> but um, the, the artist, uh, Tracy Kidman, I believe. Um, very good. Good writer. Oh, wow. Okay, what's your last message to leave with the audience? Oh, gosh. Visit Boulder and get a dog, unless you're a cat person, then get a cat. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Love it. Maggie, thanks so much for coming on the show. All right, everybody, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Maggie, for sharing your story. You all can find everything we talked about in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. Thank you, AG1 and 2B4 and Koala Clip for supporting this episode of the podcast. Connect with me on social media. I'm lindsayhine626 on Instagram, at lindsayhine on Twitter, threads, X, whatever it's called. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for being here, and we will talk to you soon. See you next week.